0: Let's get our scripture up on the screen. I'm going to be coming from Hebrews 12 and 1 on this morning. Um, And Hebrews 12 and 1 says, "Therefore, Therefore, since we have been surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down especially the sin that so easily trips us up and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us then my next scripture is 1st Corinthians 9 24 and 27 and it says don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize, so run to win. Verse 25 says all athletes are disciplined in their training, and they do it to win, a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize, and last verse, verse 27, it says, but I discipline my body like an athlete training it to do what it should do otherwise i fear that after preaching to others i myself might be disqualified let us pray father we just praise you we thank you god for your life we praise you for the life that you have given unto us through your Holy Spirit and through your Son, Jesus. We thank you, Father, for allowing us to come together. We praise you for your word, God, because somebody is not able to hear the word on today, not able to freely worship you, worshiping under constraints, worshiping under under sickness, but we were able to come in here on today, God. We were able to come in here and lift our hands and we don't take that for granted. We say, thank you, Father, for allowing us to even walk in here on today. Nobody rolled us in here, but we walked in here. So we say, thank you for that, God. And we say, thank you for your word, God, that you have just imparted into my spirit, God. And I pray, God, that your word would just do what it needs to do, God, that somebody today would would see you and see themselves through your word, God. And we praise and we thank you for what you're gonna do and for the the expectation of what your word is gonna do. We praise you in advance for the deliverance that is gonna take place on this morning. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen. Before you sit down, just give somebody a hug. Just tell them how good they look. Say, you look good on this morning. You look good on this morning. Amen. 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 And then what I also want you to do is to tell your neighbor run to win. 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 Finishing strong means that We run to win. Nobody enters a race to lose. Do y'all enter a race to lose? Do you, if I was to have a game up here, which I was going to have a game and and let y'all compete, I guarantee you that every last one of you would have been trying to win and be first at whatever I gave you a task to do. We all enter to win. And when I thought about uh, race, we are all in a race whether we really realize it or not. And a race is a situation in which individuals or groups compete to be first to achieve a particular objective. All of us have been given a particular objective in life. All of us, God has placed a particular objective in our life. Um, Racing also means to be in motion. When you're racing, when you, when you move, you're not standing still, but you're in motion. And racing, when you think of someone racing, you don't think of somebody just casually just, okay, moving, walking. You look at them as, as, as there's forward, forward moving. They're not running like this, but in order to win, they're running forward. Amen? Amen. And then also race means a manner of life. The life that we live, the race, God has uh, uh, called each and every one of us in here into this race that we call uh, uh, um, walking out our soul salvation, living for Christ. And, and um, when I woke up this morning, I looked at this scripture again and it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses. What witnesses? We have to go back to um, um, Hebrews, the 11th chapter, because that's the chapter of what we call the heroes of faith. Uh, We talked about Samson on last week. Samson was included into the heroes of faith, even though he experienced some hardship and he lost his life as winning. um, He still entered into the heroes of faith. So when you think about the witnesses, the witnesses, people who are watching you, people who are looking at you, walk this thing out. Those are witnesses. Those are people and other folks uh, who you may look up to to encourage you in walking out this walk of faith. They're there. They're witnesses. Uh, Nobody runs a race by themselves. Mm -hmm. Nobody runs a race without someone being in the grandstand, right? Uh, Even if you're doing a cross-country race, there's people along the sidelines to give you a cup of water. There's people along the sidelines saying, come on, you can do this thing. Come on, you know, just a little while. Push, push. Uh, Witnesses, there's people that are watching us. There's people that not only are watching us, how we walk this thing out, but there's also people that are there to cheer us and to encourage us along this road that we're called to run this race that we're called to run. And so um, when I looked at race, there's three components to a a race. There's a goal. There's a goal. There's a goal that a racer has in mind that they are trying to achieve. And then there is a prize. There is a prize for you achieving that goal. Right? Yes. And and then not only that, there are judges to make sure that you follow the rules of the race. And so three components of a race is there's a goal, there's a prize, and there's a judge. And in our our spiritual walk, it's the same principle. There's a goal that we're trying to reach. What goal are we trying to reach? And I'll get into that a little later. there are goals that God, that we have to end up, meet, that we need to meet as being men and women of God, as being children of God. There are goals. And then there is a prize. Now, of course, we know that there is a heavenly prize. But also there are uh, things that God <clears throat> bestows upon us and favors us with as we walk alongside this journey. Um, and, and then there's judges, um, uh, judges along the way. And Christ, we we know that Christ is our ultimate judge. Amen. Amen. Um, And how many of y'all have ever seen The Amazing Race? You know about The Amazing Race. And and it's a reality television show in which uh, teams of two, um, they race in a world competition. They go from country to country. And and contestants strive in each leg of the race, they're striving to see who is first in this leg of the race. uh, 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 Contestants of two. And then teams are progressively eliminated because they did not win that leg of the race. They're progressively eliminated because they didn't run and win. And there are various modes that they take in these countries. If you ever watch it, they're taking taxis and they're taking rental cars and they're they're pretty much sprinting and jogging. And I had a video that I was going to show, but I decided not to. Um, But what they're doing is they're trying to accomplish the goal of being the last two to win this prize of a million dollars the last two the last continent and there's at the end there are I think there's two teams and out of those two teams only one of the pairs are going to win Amen. so how does this apply to us what does running to win require for us and what does running to win really mean for us and <clears throat> when I when I looked at this We're running to win the life of faith, the faith uh, of our our, our, what we believe in, what we're confessing, what we have said that uh, uh, God, I give you my life. Um, The Hebrews, the 11th chapter showed how people walked out their soul salvation in Christ or in God, walking out their soul, soul salvation with their heavenly father. And we are called to do that same thing. That's the race that we are called to enter into. And, and, and it's a faith walk. It said, uh, uh, I like what it said. It said the life of faith, the life of faith. It's a, it's a lifestyle of faith that we are called to walk out. So how do, how do we do this thing? Number one. Running to win requires stripping off everything that slows us down. Everything that slows us down. Hebrews 12 uh, and 1. Let's look at that. Hebrews 12 and 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, let us run to, uh, to, to the life of faith. Let us. Strip off everything, every weight that slows us down. One thing that slows a runner down is improper equipment. You're not going to see a runner that's going to be running on a track with tennis shoes. They have special shoes that they wear that literally um, has spikes on the on the ball, and they're they're because they run the ball of their feet. Um, they have to have the proper equipment. But the other thing is, is that another thing that slows a runner down is blisters. Blisters slow a runner down. You can't see a blister. Sometimes you don't even know how you got that blister. (laughs) Truth be told, you can wear the wrong shoes and get blisters. But blisters slow a runner down. And if a blister is not taken care of properly, it can become infected. Mm -hmm. It can become infected. So we have to get rid of the blisters, the sin that's in our life. Some is visible and some is not visible. Some is visible and not visible. And I, and I talked to our leadership on this morning before I came out and, and, I'm just gonna be honest, God. I said, Lord, you know, church don't like to hear about sin. They don't. We we like the good messages. To tell the truth, we don't want nobody to talk about sin in church. But that ain't the message that God gave me today. I have to talk about sin on today. I'm mandated to talk about sin. One thing that God dealt with me on this week is that there is no more playing games. It's no more just haphazardly doing this thing. It is an urgency. It is a time of urgency that we must get rid of those weights and those things that are slowing us down, those things that are hindering us from living totally for Christ, from selling out totally from Christ. It's time out. We got to get it together, y'all. We got to get it together. Let's look at uh, Galatians 5 and 7. Do I have? No, no, no. You don't have. um, Galatians 5 and 7, I'll just say this to you. It says that Galatians 5 and 7 says you were running the race so well. What? Who or what has held you back? Who or what is holding you back? I want to put that in the present tense. What or who is holding you back? Let's look at Galatians 5 and 19, and, and these are some of the things that hold us back. These are some of the sins that we deal with. And I, I wanted to, in the message Bible, because it broke it down just like so, just so, so real. It says, it is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. My goodness. Getting our way all the time. It's, it says repetitive, loveless, cheap sex. <laughs> can I say that again? Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex. And a lot of times we're saying, well, I'm married. I'm not having no cheap. But you can have mm-hmm. cheap sex <laughs> even outside of marriage. You can join yourself to people, join yourself to things, and you begin to have a relationship with those things. They become more prevalent to you and satisfying to you, but it's cheap. It says a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage. Mental and emotional garbage. Stinking thinking is what somebody used to say. Always thinking the worst. Uh, 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 emotionally, not, you know, not good in your emotions, just burn burn down in your emotions. Uh, Your thinking is always off whack. Your thinking is always thinking for the worse and not for the better, not looking at what the word of God says. Your thinking, your mental capacity is always focused on something other than God. Then it says frenzied and joyless grabs of happiness. Which means that we're forever trying to grab at something to say that this is going to make me happy. But when you get it, it don't really make you happy. It, or it makes you happy for the moment. And then when the newness wears off, you look for something else to make you happy. Got that? Let's go to the next one. Trinket gods. What's trinket gods? <laughs> Those little things that we kind of idolize. Trinket god, our money. We idolize our money, trinket gods. We idolize individuals. We idolize and make gods, little gods, out of different things in people. When God said, no, there's only one God. It says magic show religion. In other words, it's talking about uh, uh, sorcery and and those types of uh, 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 things that go against God. Paranoid loneliness. Paranoid loneliness. You by yourself and you paranoid, thinking somebody's thinking about you, thinking somebody's saying something about you, thinking somebody is against you. Paranoid annoy- loneliness. And I'm going to be honest with you, I, I've been in that category before. To where you just thinking, your mind goes rapid, thinking of everything. And then it says an all-consuming yet never satisfied wants. You always want something. Nothing ever makes you happy. Nothing what nobody says. You always this and that, and, and you're never happy. Never happy. And it says a brutal temper. You don't know how to control your temper. You're you, you going to blurt out of your mouth on everything. And then it says an impotence to love or be loved. What, you, what do I mean, Pastor Wendy? You have such a desire to be loved or to love and to be loved that you will you will sacrifice your own very morals just to receive that love mm-hmm. or to be loved. Divided homes and divided lives. I talked about that with our staff on today. Let me share something with you and I'm going to share it with you guys on today. We talked about. Um, we talked about unity, right? We, we had a series on unity. Now, let me ask you guys something. Do you not think because we talked about unity and we heard the word on unity, do you not think that the enemy is not going to come and try to attack the unity? Do you not think that that is that he wants to really know? Do you guys really believe what was preached? Do you really believe the word of God that was taught to you? Do you really believe in this unity? And, and what the Holy Spirit showed me this morning was that if He cannot, uh, 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 the way that He disrupts the unity is He gets us to fight in against ourselves. He gets us pitted against ourselves. Divided homes, in a small minded, a lopsided pursuit. Small minded. Small. Your thinking is small, what you see is small. The vision that God has for you is is small. You can't think outside of your own personal circumstances. But I encourage you on today to enlarge your thinking. Lopsided pursuits, meaning that, 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 that you're so much over here that you're not over here, and you're pursuing so much over here that your relationship with God is going suffering. Lopsided pursuits. The vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival. Yeah, again. <laughs> say it. Christy wants me to say the vicious habit. It's yes. a habit that you have mm. of depersonalizing everyone. What do you mean? I don't see you as a person. But we depersonalize it to depersonalize that person into a rival. We we make them our rival. We rise up against them and we don't see them as as a child of God. We don't see them as our brother and sister. And so what we end up doing is becoming a rival to them. Uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions. I don't think I need to explain that one. You got some addictions that you can't get rid of. You can't get rid of it. And it says ugly parodies of community. And I could go on, Paul says, and this isn't the first time I've warned you. So I'm going to stop right there. So these are the things that are weighing us down. I encourage you to go and read Galatians 5 and and, and, uh, 17 and 19 through 21. Because uh, uh, Galatians 5 and 17 said the sinful nature wants to do these things. The sinful nature that is in us, don't ever think that you have arrived. Don't ever think that you are not invincible because the Bible says to take heed lest you fall. You better believe when I talked about Samson last week, Delilah and all of those. the Philistines were trying to figure out what Samson's weakness or what Samson, the source of his strength. And the enemy is trying to see what gets you. The enemy is trying to see what trips you up. And whatever trips you up, he's going to work on that thing. He's going to dig in on you. Mm -hmm. Sin. Romans 6, 12, and 13. Stripping off everything. Romans 12, 6 and 12 says, don't let sin control the way you live. Y'all like, I don't like to be controlled. You, you're controlling, I don't, don't control me. But why are you letting sin control you? Why are you letting that lust control you? Why are you letting that unnatural desire control you? Why are you letting that lust for other things control you? Or why are we letting it control us? Always wanting and never having enough. It says, don't let it control the way you live. Do not give in to the sinful desires. And verse 13 says, do not let any part of your body, don't let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. And when I looked at that, so that means that we have a choice that there are certain don't let any part of your body. Which means that one part of your body can be saying, I love you, God. One part of your body can be saying, Lord, I worship you. But then another part of your body can be serving sin. Mm -hmm. So don't let any part of your body become an instrument to serve sin. But instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new new life. You have new life. Um, let me let me let you know how sin controls the way we live. There's seven. Uh, there's six of them. It says sin controls. How can we not let sin control the way we live? First of all, we got to identify our weaknesses. We have to know what our weaknesses are. Um, if you are going to, Build a house. Um, Let me use this example. Um, Sometime back uh, when we had a house um, over in in the other part of Chesapeake, um, a young lady went joyriding with her daddy's car. And she ran into our house. She ran right into the house. And if she would have ran into another part of the house, it would have been okay. But she ran into the part of the house which was one of the main supporting beams for the house. And so because she ran into the main supporting beam of the house, they had to condemn our house. We had to move out of our house for two weeks until they came in and shored up. That main supporting being, so that the city would come in and say that it can be uh, 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 lived in again, so that we can go in and and take what uh, 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 matter of fact, we couldn't even go in there to get certain things out with the city without the city being present because of the risk that it would have taken to fall. And so it made the structure of the house weak. And so they had to shore up. And I was like, well, it's fine. She just hit this corner of the house. But that corner of the house is what helps support the whole house. And so I say that to say, if you know your weaknesses, you need to go in and, and shore up and support and strengthen that corner of the house. You need to go in and know what your weaknesses is and work on that weakness so that the enemy cannot cause you to be disqualified. You need to go in and, and understand what it is. God, What? why does this keep tripping me up? It's because the Lord is trying to tell you you need to get strong in this area. You need to show up. And how do we shore up? We shore up with the word of God. We strengthen our lives with the word of God. I am key. If you have a weakness in your life, go to Google and Google scriptures on whatever your weakness is. And it will give you scriptures that you can go and write down every scripture that deals with what you're dealing with and you begin to meditate on those scriptures. That's how you're going to... Get strong. It says recognize the thing that tempts you. I think I've already talked about that. It says stay away from the sources of your temptation. You know that this thing is going to tempt you. Why do you keep going back to it? Why do you keep allowing yourself to go back to that which you know has been tripping you up? Practice self-restraint, and I'm going to deal with that in a minute. It says consciously invest your time in good habits. We got some bad habits. But we need to get it right, y'all. We need to change our habits. And it says, and then the last one is to lean on God's strength and grace. We have to strip off some things. Delilah found out Samson's weakness. Why? Because he laid his head in the wrong lap. And he gave up the secret to his strength. And she was able to take his strength from us. Whose lap are you laying in? Whose lap is your head laying in? What lap is your head laying in? Eight. Number two. I'll leave you with that question because I can't answer it for you. But yours is different from mine. Number two, it says requires discipline in our training. Discipline in our training. Verse 25 says, all athletes are disciplined in their training. They're disciplined in their training, and they do it to win a prize that will fade away. But when we discipline our lives, we do it to win an eternal prize. And verse 27, I like this verse. It says that I discipline my body like an athlete. Every member of my body, I'm going to discipline. And I'm going to train it to do what it should do. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, after I done told you how good the Lord is, after I done told you, God is a mighty God, after I've already told you, you know what, walk the life of faith, God will work it out for you. After I've told everybody about the goodness of God, because I failed to discipline my own body, that I get disqualified. It's possible, y'all. It's possible to come to church every Sunday. I went to church every Sunday, Lord, but you ain't disciplined. Your flesh does whatever it wants to do. Your thoughts do whatever it wants to do. And discipline means to exercise self-restraint, self-control. And what I like with discipline is it says I discipline my body, not anybody else, but we do it. You have to discipline yourself. I hear a lot of times where I'm just waiting for the Lord to take this from me. Lord said you do it. You lay aside every weight. You strip yourself. See, we waiting for God to take care of some things and God to take this from me. You got yourself into it. You need to admit, God, I blew this. I messed this up. My flesh took me in this direction and I repent, God. Amen. That's right. God, I'm nasty. I'm cl- clean me up. I let myself get in this position. You warned me before I ever got into it. You warned me while I was into it. But I decided that I was going to follow my own trivial pursuits. I decided that I was going to follow my own flesh because I won't discipline enough to say no. I won't discipline enough to walk away. Even when God shows you, we ain't disciplined enough to walk away because our flesh, remember what I said, Our sinful nature wants to do this. It wants to take you in that direction. Discipline means that it's learning and applying intentional standards. God has some intentional standards. Standards that we are to live by, y'all. And discipline requires staying within the boundaries that God has set for us. When a runner runs, if they get out of the lane that they're supposed to run in, they're going to become disqualified. If you're doing a cross-country race and you decide that you want to get off the path, you become disqualified. Stay within the boundaries. God creates boundaries to protect us. God protects, God puts boundaries there because he knows what's ahead. If a runner decides that I'm going to take a shortcut, I'm going to go through the woods other than where the, 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 the design map route is that they have been required to run, it could be a cliff and they're falling off a cliff. God said, I set these boundaries. These boundaries may not feel good. These boundaries may not be what you want, but these boundaries in place because I want you to win. I want you to win. And the word when you when when we talk about um, this, this verse, one translation says that I bring my body under subjection. Let me talk to you about the, the, the under part. When we were doing our own thing and we decided that it's a dangerous thing, I'm going to be honest. I tell people all the time, when you hear the word of God, you now become accountable for doing the word of God. That's the word. You become accountable for the word of God. This is the thing. When before you got saved, I know y'all. some of y'all, don't worry about it. Flesh is not thinking about the word. Flesh is, I don't care about God. Flesh says, I'm going to do my own thing. But when you surrender yourself and decide that you are going to discipline yourself, you put yourself up under the word of God. You put yourself up under his standards. You put yourself up under his guidelines. And when you choose at any given particular point in time, you remember I said that don't let any member of your body, don't let any part of your body fall into sin. That means that one part, and I'm just as, one part can be over and one part can be under. I'm only going to put this part under. Because I like what this part feels like. I like, y'all get that? Yes. I like what that part feels like. So we have to put ourselves up under. Listen to this, it says, I keep my body." Paul says, I keep my body under. We keep our body under because we get tired of our body ruling us. We ought to be to the point that you are tired of your body ruling you because it's ultimately going to result in death, spiritual death. And then naturally, when you die, you ain't going to heaven. The Bible says to walk out your soul salvation, what? What? Y'all don't know how to walk out your soul's salvation? The scripture, come on. The, Trembling in fear, but walking it out daily. It's a daily walk. And that means that you are telling your flesh that my will, my emotions, my thoughts are not going to control me. God, I'm going to press in on you. I'm going to put myself under subjection to you. And when we discipline ourselves, and if we live an undisciplined life, we have no stamina. That means that everything that comes your way, you've fallen apart. When you decide that you're not going to live a disciplined life and put yourself up under, it means that anything's going to take you out. You wake up one morning, and I'm just going to be honest, there's mornings that I wake up that i got to make myself. You're not going to control me today. I surrender myself, and I, I put this in the GroupMe app, I this week's uh, uh, Wednesday Bible study was so good because it 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 talked about um daily or, or it, it talked about giving ownership of your life to God everything that you have every and I've been ever since I, I, God gave me that revelation whether it's my thoughts whether it's my feelings I say God I give you ownership I give you ownership of this I give you ownership of this situation I totally Surrender it to God. And I found myself just really just feeling so much better when I said, God, I give you ownership. Number three is running with purpose. Running with purpose. Paul says in verse 26, it says, so I run with purpose. I run with purpose in every step. Every step that I make, I'm running it with purpose. God, help me to run this walk with purpose. Help me, Lord. You know, and oftentimes when we think of purpose, we think of what God has called us to. No, 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 no. Purpose is the life of faith. That is your purpose. Your purpose is to walk out this thing. Walk out your relationship with God. Walk out. The life of faith. And it says, I am not shadow boxing. In Romans 8 and 29, I don't know if I put that scripture in there, but it says, for God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son. Your purpose is to become like his son. In thoughts, in actions. You want to know what your purpose is to become like Jesus, the one who everybody is celebrating during this time? Jesus. God, help me to become like your son. That's your purpose to become like his son in every way. And when I thought about this thing, it got personal to me. There is times when when you have sold out to God and when you have given yourself totally to the purpose of God, you're going to become exhausted. A runner gets exhausted, but he doesn't stop running. Sometimes a runner's legs can feel like jello, but they don't stop running. Let me tell you a little story. I I went to me and my sister went to the Eiffel Tower. And I think I may have told this story. And we went up by elevator. It was easy going up by elevator, but it was hard coming down because it was such a line and we had to meet our next destination. So we decided that we were going. The man said, he lied, y'all. He said, it's only one flight down. He lied. He said, it's only. a four-minute descent. Mm -mm. Really? We're up at the top. I'm scared of heights. And I start my descent. And I'm holding on like this every way down. Fear had gripped me. And I said, I can't stop though. I gotta get down. And I went to the elevator, and the elevator was, line was at the elevator, and I left my sister up at the top. (laughs) I said, You on your own, sis. And I start my descent, and I'm like, I can't stop, because the man said that we gotta be at this next destination by this certain amount of time. And when I got down to the bottom of the steps, y'all, I'm telling you, I couldn't feel my legs. They were hurting. No matter how fearful I was, I had to keep moving. No matter how bad I felt, and I was concerned about my sister, I had to keep moving because I had a destination that I needed to meet. And when I got down to the bottom, I'm like, Lord, where is my sister? I'm never in tears and I said forget the destination, forget where we got to meet. I'm waiting on my sister right here and next thing I know she comes out but she had rolled the elevator. (laughs) If I had only been patient enough to wait for the method that I knew that was best for me to take, I wouldn't have been suffering at the bottom. But sometimes fear grips you, but you got to keep on moving. And Jesus understood the pain and the suffering, but he endured it for us. He endured it so that we could become like him. And I'm closing. And Michelle, you can start playing. There are times that running this race is gonna cause some emotional heartache. There are times that running this race gonna seem like everybody else is prospering except you. There are times that it seems like that everybody is doing well except you. But I say to you today, don't believe the hype. What looks good on the outside may not be good on the inside. There's times in this life that you're not gonna know how you're gonna make it. God ain't revealed a plan to you God ain't shown you the next step yes, Jesus. and you're sitting there asking God what's next and he's silent but we gotta keep walking we gotta keep running because what you're going through is not worthy to be compared to the glory That is going to be revealed in you. you. The anointing that God has for your life. You got to keep on running. There's some times that you're going to have to go it out. You want to hang with this person. You want to be with that person. But God says, I put you over here. Because I need to drop some things in your spirit. Because I know that I'm trying to help you to win. And when we understand that purpose, it will encourage us. When we understand, God, I know the purpose. It will cause you to keep moving. purpose will cause you to keep going when you want to give up. Purpose. Run with purpose. Purpose. If I can say anything to you today, there's somebody watching you to see how you're running. And if you give up, it's going to cause them to say, there is no God. It's going to cause them. If you give up under this pressure, 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 God is trying to squeeze some things out of you. And if you give up, That which God is trying to squeeze out of you is not going to come forth. A grape has to be squeezed. Oil. Christine, hand me that bottle of anointing oil. This oil doesn't become oil. without the olive being pressed and under pressure. The oil that God wants to let come out of your life, the oil that God wants to place on your life is not gonna come forth unless you allow God to clean you up and allow God to press some things out of you. Are you ready for a pressing on today? Are you willing to give up and say, God, I surrender? A lot of times we want to look at somebody on the street and say, God, you ain't talking to me. You're talking to them out on that street. But God is talking to the house today. Some things that we're holding on to. And God told me on today that today is a day of deliverance. Today is a day of surrenderance.